tonight we're talking about spiritual disciplines, uh, which is something that um, some of you may have never thought about and never have really considered, and uh, some of you may have uh, really considered them and, and worked with uh, some of them and struggled. Um, some of you might be like me and have, have studied and worked through them a lot um, and struggled and just never really got the point. Um, and, uh, and I don't know if I've found the answers, but as I said, this is what I've been working through. So I want to start off with an um, analogy. Um, I want you to get a picture in your head. Try and think uh, of maybe when you were a little kid or just a little kid, maybe a nephew or somebody that you know. When you were a kid, or do you know any that dreamed of being like a great athlete? They had this vision of just being a superstar um, and just... You know, all the things that great athletes do. Um, they come through in the clutch. Uh, they do the right thing. Um, they seize the moment. Um, they make it look easy. Um, you know, every kid, I think whoever picks up a bat and a ball, is, you know, you think to your, yourself, you know, two outs, bottom of the ninth, down by three, bases loaded, and you, you envision coming through and, and the success. Uh, when I was a, a kid, uh, my, bro- my cousin and I always played um, basketball inside, like on the, the hoops on the door and stuff. And, I, you know, he was Michael Jordan, I was Scottie Pippen. And we won, like, an NBA championship every week. <laughs> and, uh, and if you didn't make the game-winning shot, you made the game-winning assist. And it was just, you loved the reward. You loved the, the blessing uh, or, or the glory that came from just coming through and doing the right thing and, and um, rising to the occasion. I want you to picture that kind of, um, kind of all through tonight, that idea of a child uh, wanting to achieve like that or to accomplish that. Um, Obviously, most of the time, most kids don't. I want to show you a clip. It's kind of funny. Um, if somebody can hit the sound on that speaker, and if you can kind of get what you can see, it's not crucial. Like I said, it isn't super serious. It's just a few clips. Um, I'll get that. I'll get that projector set up for you here in a second. But when I was a kid, for those of you guys know, my name my name is Dusty, and my dad uh, my dad named me Dusty uh, because he said it was a baseball name. My dad loved baseball, and he said he wanted me to be a great baseball player. So ever since I came out of the womb, like I was Dusty, and I was ready to play baseball. And um, and my dad, I remember just being a kid, like five years old, and watching Field of Dreams about Shoeless Joe Jackson. And my dad would play that that scene in Field of Dreams where Shoeless Joe Jackson is in the outfield and before the ball is even hit like Shoeless Joe's like down in his crouch in the outfield and he's breaking before the before the batter even hits it because he's anticipating where the ball's going to go um, and he was just like he was very trained he was very skilled in knowing the pitch and how this was going to go and he would get in um, and I just remember that. I remember my dad showing that. And he's like, see, that's how you do it in the outfield. And then the other thing that I really idolized um, as a kid as far as baseball is I loved Pete Rose, uh, Charlie Hustle. Um, and I remember having a conversation with my neighbor, Scott. And we talked about how Pete Rose was the greatest baseball player because he always hustled. He dived head first in, in the bases, reckless abandon for his body, uh, take out the catcher. He would run so fast his helmet would fly off. And we used to think, oh, that's awesome. And, and we would think, man, I want to be able to do this. <laughs> you know, that's, you know, I want to be that. So I'll show you this clip. Um, let me get this. If you can kind of situate. Do you like the same 
and to come through and achieve the things that I dreamed about. <laughs> Maybe because I think, but how many people here have been a Christian more than six years? Okay, about half. I think I'm, I'm about nine or ten years. You know, so you think about it, in our life with Christ, we're much like this. We're much like these little kids, and we have desires to live a life holy and pleasing to God. To, uh, to come through in the moment uh, of life, and yet so often uh, we look like that, I think, uh, in the Christian life. And, um, and so tonight, what I want to talk about is a, is a plan, a program, a training uh, that we can do um, to become skilled, to become effective uh, in uh, modeling our lives after Christ. Um, and in doing that, um, it's so important to never forget grace. Um, we're going to talk a lot about disciplines and work, um, and disciplines are work, um, but grace, um, a favorite quote of mine, grace is opposed to earning, it's not opposed to effort. Um, so we're going to talk about some effort, some work to do, but never forget the role of grace um, in, uh, in opening our hearts and minds. Let's, uh, before we get into the scripture, let's, uh, let's pray. <coughs> Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, for tonight. I thank you for the chance to share uh, some of this stuff and what I'm learning. Um, I pray that we can uh, just submit our hearts uh, to your word and to your teaching that will um, dwell richly in our soul and uh, change us. Um, and we will leave here more resolved um, with a desire to be like you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, what I want you to do first is... Uh, um, well, I'll just do it. Uh, the Great Commission. Um, Matthew 28, uh, verses 18 through 20. Um, I don't have it right in front of me, but I, it says, Therefore go uh, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, um, and training them to do, uh, training to obey everything I command you. And surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. Um, the call to discipleship is extreme. The cost is high. I think we, everybody is in this room because we said we want to be a disciple. Um, we, we're very quick to point out that the Great Commission does not say go and make converts. It says go and make disciples. Um, but what we forget a lot of times is the how. How do you make disciples? Um, I think that's the last part of the Great Commission that we don't always get to. And I think I put it on your, your paper there. Um, but Matthew twenty twenty, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. The cost of discipleship is high. 
Imagine that. To be a disciple, you must learn to obey everything that God commands. Not the important things, um, not everything most of the time, or some of the time. You're called um, to live uh, like Christ and to obey everything uh, I commanded. Dallas Willard calls that part of the Great Commission that teaches them to obey everything. He says it's the great omission uh, of the Great Commission. It's the part that we so often forget and leave off. Uh, we really stress the go and the make, uh, but we never really get to the how, um, and we omit that, uh, the great omission from the Great Commission. So what I'd like you to do with the people around you, or maybe on your own, uh, open up to Matthew, Matthew chapter 5 through 7. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Um, I'm just going to give you about uh, three or four minutes. Um, it's something that we you know, are somewhat familiar with. And I want you to look through the Great Commission. This is Jesus' um, you know, pinnacle of teaching, in a lot of ways, of teaching his commandments. And I want you to look for commands. What are things that he commands us to do in the Sermon on the Mount? And just kind of jot down, maybe make a list of three or four of them. Jesus always said, you have heard this in the law, but I tell you this. He kind of always raised it up to the next level. So uh, just uh, raise your hand and kind of shout out a few of the uh, commands you got. Um, don't judge others. Don't judge others. Don't quote your thoughts. 
Control your thoughts. Rejoice when persecuted. Rejoice when persecuted. Let your light shine. Shine among others. Let your light shine. Well, just like a general one, seek the kingdom first. Seek the kingdom first. Let your yes be yes. Let your yes be yes. Don't want to be reconciled to your brothers. To your brother. Be reconciled. Peace within the, within the brothers. Live what you preach. Live what you preach. Love your enemy. Love your enemy. Don't resist people. People. Turn the other cheek. Turn the other cheek. Yeah. Put your treasure in heaven. Treasures in heaven. Okay? I want you to think of some of these commands. Some of these, what I would say, are challenges. Um, these are the moments that in our Christian life, just like in this personality, where we want to rise to the occasion. Have you ever been, you know, um, Chris said, let your yes be yes. That was one I've written down because Corey and I have been uh, struggling through this. And uh, I'm not going to share the details. But have you ever promised somebody that you would do something? That you say, you said, count on me, I'll do it. I promise you, I'll do it. Um, and then, when they come to you and they say, have you done it? And you're like, oh, I forgot. I forgot. And you slipped. You had a lack of integrity. Uh, you didn't call it through on your word. You didn't keep your oath. Uh, you know, my response is always, well, nobody's perfect. Uh, but I think Jesus is saying, let your rest be yes. Obey everything I've commanded you. Um, a couple of, uh, of the others. Uh, there was one, I don't know if somebody said it, but I had the idea of going the second mile. If you walk with somebody one mile, um, and then you, you've done your duty and you're ready to be done with this, and they say, you know, you know, come with me too. Are you cheerful to go too? Or if they ask you to go one, are you willing to say, okay, I'll go too? I remember one time uh, in high school, my senior year, I was doing a lot of stuff for club. I was doing music and skits. And there was one night where I was playing the songs, and I didn't really do my part. I didn't prepare for it right. So it was last minute, like a lot of your all's clubs, and I was standing there playing guitar, trying to go through it. And Devin, uh, my leader, kept, he, he asked me to do some other stuff. Like, go get names for skits. And I was like, Kevin, I can't. And, he's like, and he was like, just forget the guitar and do this. And I was so unwilling. I was so... Um, stuck on just doing my duty and not doing anything about I said, fine. And I put the guitar down. I said, you find somebody else to play club. And I walked out. <laughs> As a senior in high school, just walked out on club and said, uh, so much so that I, I just wasn't willing to go the second mile. I, that was my moment to be Christ and the moment to, to deny myself. And, and, you know, I just didn't rise to the challenge. Um, One thing I noticed about all these commands, uh, Jesus here is talking about the Christian life uh, in this case, much more than the Christian ministry. Um, these challenges are all for us to rise to the moment of everyday mundane life. Honoring our word, blessing our enemies, going the second mile, turning the other cheek. Um, you can be a great minister um, as far as the teaching and the being funny and the playing guitar, I think, without the spiritual disciplines. But it will be very tough to do these things and to live this type of life without the spiritual disciplines. And hopefully, see, that's where we're going. How do we live this type of life? How do we live the life um, where turning the other cheek is instinctual? It's just our natural response. We couldn't really even think about not turning the other cheek. That's the type of life we're shooting for. Um, you know, like in the basketball analogy, that Michael Jordan, when he's going in the air, he's not thinking, should I do this, should I do this? Should I, you know, should I bend this way, should I bend that way? 
he has trained and focused so much and disciplined himself that it just comes naturally in the moment. And that's where we want to get to in our walk with Christ, to where the idea of letting our light shine before man, like, we don't have to make a conscious thought about that. That when we just enter into a room, Christ emanates. That, um, that is the life that at least I desire to live, and I think um, everybody in this room does. Um, so how do we do that? Um, it says, if these are Christ's commands for disciples, if these are the moments and the actions that we long for, um, how do we become the person who naturally and easily does it? Um, I think the answer is um, to take seriously the commands and take seriously a training curriculum. To really think about how do I train myself, just like an athlete, discipline myself to do this. Look at uh, 1 Timothy 4, um, verse 6 and 7. I put it on your paper there. So it says, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise, and I love this, for both the present life and the next, and the life to come. We're going to come back to that, I hope, um, if I can remember. But it says, physical training is some value. But train yourself in the galleons. Uh, I think the Greek word there, and I don't know how to say it, but I believe that it's like gymnazo or, or, or something. It's, it's the same word that we get gymnasium. So you really get this, this idea of working and, uh, as other scriptures say, beating your body. Um, train yourselves unto godliness. The next question would be, so how do we train ourselves to be godly? Um, and I would say the same way as an athlete, a musician, an artist, um, teacher, we have to have targeted and effective disciplines. I think of some of the things I wanted when I wanted to be a great athlete, and I said, you know, coming through in the moment, the rewards... Um, but what are the things I didn't want or I didn't even think about it's all the behind the scenes stuff uh, the diet you know I didn't want to eat what athletes say I didn't want um, the sacrifices the practice times uh, the endless uh, shooting free throws or hitting in the batting cage I didn't want to go through all those disciplines and those training exercises the same thing um, here how do we train ourselves we need targeted and effective disciplines <coughs> um, I put on um, I put a list. Um, I got a book on the spiritual disciplines, and uh, they just kind of gave um, not a comprehensive list. This isn't all of them, and a lot of these can even bro- be broken down. But I want you to look at them and just kind of gaze through and see which ones maybe you've practiced, maybe you've tried, um, which ones you understand, which ones you don't. The one side is uh, disciplines of absence, things you abstain from that you're going to do, try and go without. Um, other ones are disciplines of engagement, things that you have to be proactive in. Um, there's, um, yeah, uh, frugality, that, that's a, that one is wide spending of money, um, and not, or not frivolous, uh, would be the opposite of that. Uh, secrecy, sacrifice. Um, notice some of these are, are almost, in a sense, opposites. And I think all of us, you know, have different struggles and different things. And so for some of us, certain um, disciplines are going to train us one way, and for others, a different discipline. For example, say, um, um, say, say I'm um, an extrovert. I'm a really extrovert person. So it's really easy for me to, in a crowd, to trust in myself. 
and to feel like I'm in control and I don't need to trust God or trust the Spirit as we get to it. Um, a good discipline for me to, to, to break myself of the, that would be solitude. To, to, be with, to withdraw from people from a specific period of time to train myself to trust God. On the other hand, if I'm a real introvert, um, it is not going to be beneficial for me to just totally withdraw from society all the time. A discipline for me would be fellowship where I go and I engage and I have to trust God in that. So, you see, like, uh, solitude and fellowship are complete opposites. And at different points in your life, one is going to train you more than the other. And that takes discernment and prayer. Um, I'm not an expert in the disciplines. Uh, very few of these um, on this list I have practiced correctly or even uh, consistently. Um, I, you know, I'm much like you guys. Like, you know, I've, had, I've had seasons of good prayer. I've had seasons of prayerlessness where I've just been neglectful. Um, I've had seasons of good study and good scripture memory um, and seasons where um, I just don't hide God's word in my heart. Um, I'm, you know, this is a tough talk to give because I'm not perfect and, uh, um, and I don't want to come across as throwing uh, the chains on you or saying that I, you know, this is just stuff I'm messing with. Um, I, I was actually uh, challenged by this in Bible study a couple weeks ago. Um, we looked at the passage and I'll share the passage uh, that challenged me. Uh, in a little bit um, but for the past few weeks I've been just kind of studying the discipline where does it show up in scripture I, I got my book out that I had read a while ago and started going back through it and so I had three observations um, in considering the disciplines and trying to learn about them and uh, how they work in our lives um, and the first observation there, and I left it blank so you guys can write it in um, I've been first looking to Jesus Let's look to Jesus to see how he handled the spiritual discipline. Hebrews uh, 12.2 um, uh, encourages us to fix our eyes on Jesus. Um, Ephesians 5.1 says to be imitators of God. So if we're going to take the disciplines, um, I think Jesus um, is the place to start. Let's go look at him. Um, there's a big trend uh, uh, there was a big trend with the WWJD bracelets, and you know it's a it's a great it's a noble thought in the idea that when we get in these moments where we're called to go the second mile, turn the other cheek, let our light shine, uh, don't shrink back uh, from adversity, to let our yes be yes. When we're in those moments, the the, the WWJD bracelet uh, says that we should think to ourselves. What would Jesus do? Um, as I observed Jesus in, in the context of the discipline, I realized it's less what would Jesus do, but what had Jesus done before that moment? What had Jesus been doing in the background that prepared him for that moment? And I would encourage us, you know, if, if we followed his model there. Uh, examples um, of Jesus engaging in the spiritual disciplines. Um, I got a bunch of examples. A couple of these I'd like to read. Uh, can somebody look up uh, Mark uh, chapter one, thirty-five through forty-two, and then somebody else look up Luke chapter twenty-two, thirty-nine through fifty-two. <laughs> so, when you have Mark, raise your hand. I'm gonna have you read it. All right. Um, Alex is gonna read it. Um, I just kind of made a note. In this passage, um, I saw Jesus um, engaging in the disciplines of solitude and prayer. 
um, we're not going to read the part, but right after, um, in a sense, you see Jesus engaging in the, the discipline of secrecy. Um, and, uh, and we can talk about that, although we're not going to read that. So just read 35 through 42. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next town, so that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went through all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, and kneeling said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. Um, this is one of the passages, and we see these a lot um, through the Gospels, where at the beginning of the story, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place, a desolate place, um, and prayed. Um, Jesus was engaging in the discipline. He got up out of bed, went alone, and was going to spend some time alone with God, and praying. He then... As he's finished up that prayer, he's interrupted. Um, it says, um, uh, when they found him, they explained, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus says, all right, let's go. And he goes, and as he's walking through the town, it says, a man with leprosy came up to him. And I know in our club talks, we share um, what a leper was like in that time. You know, the leper um, was the annoyance to society. He was the guy that everybody didn't want to be around. Um, that nobody wanted to love, rather they wanted to shun and push away. We engage uh, students like this probably all the time. We engage classmates like this all the time. Think of, think of the student uh, or the friend that just never shuts up. You know, as soon as they walk up and they're just talking, 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 and you're just like, oh, I don't have time for it today. Um, think of the person that has bad breath or has B.O. that everybody just ridicules and they come up. Um, Jesus was in this moment here where he was encountering the person that everybody else said, shut up, push him away. But yet, I love what it says. In this moment, does Jesus rise to the challenge? Does he rise to the moment? Yes, it says, it says, a man with leprosy come up to him and he begged him on his knees, if you were willing. And I don't know about you all, but so often, the fact is that my flesh, my body, I'm just not willing. Like, I'm just selfish. You know what I mean? And he says, if you are willing, um, if you were willing, uh, you can make me clean. And then Jesus, filled with compassion. Now, I don't think that's an accident. I, and I said, I put on your notes, notice the connection of the disciplines with this compassion. Um, we can play the God card here and say, oh, that's just God. He's filled with compassion. But I think Jesus is modeling for us. He's our example. He's saying, look, when you engage in the disciplines, it overflows into your life. You'll be filled with compassion. Uh, uh, Jesus reached out to him and he said, I am willing. Isn't that what we would love to say? I'm willing. Um, how do we get there? How do we uh, transform our characters out of that behavior? I think uh, the disciplines. A bunch of other passages on your sheet there. Uh, Luke uh, 4, uh, 1-13. That's Jesus going out into the desert uh, prior to him uh, really getting engaged in ministry where he's... Um, he engages in the disciplines of solitude and fasting, um, and in doing so, the, dev- the devil comes and he he uh, battles the devil's temptations with scripture. So obviously, you know, while he was out in that time, he was probably also studying scripture, scripture memory. He had it in his heart. Um, I, you probably throw prayer in there too. 
So we see, again, Jesus modeling the, the disciplines. Um, Luke chapter 4, 42, you see solitude and prayer again. Uh, Luke chapter uh, 5, 16, solitude and prayer again. Luke chapter 11, this time it says, uh, when Jesus was playing, and it said, in a certain place, and I, and I kind of on that, because it, again, it, it reminds us of the idea of a discipline. It was planned. It was strategic. He went there to a certain place to pray. Um, and now I want to go to this, uh, this last example uh, in Luke. Prayer, uh, Jesus praying is a huge theme in Luke, as you see, just kind of one after. Luke always reminds us of this. But this last uh, theme in Luke uh, is uh, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, Luke 22, being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray, so that you will not be, so that you will not fall While he was still speaking, the crowd came up. The man who was called Jesus, one of the twelve, was leading. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man? When Jesus followers saw what was going to happen. They said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his lady. But Jesus answered, No, no more of it. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and officers of the temple guard and elders who had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Do you want verses? Every day I was with you in the temple court, and you did not lay a hand on me, but this is your hour. Okay, that's good. Um, here, again, we see Jesus engaging in the discipline. Uh, I highlight that part again. It says, as usual, we see that again, that this was a pattern in Jesus' life. Um, he constantly went to the, the foot of the, the Mount of Olives, the Garden of Gethsemane, to pray. This time he encourages his disciples to engage in this discipline with him. He prays, and he's asking God to, to conform his will, to guide his will. And, uh, and he comes back uh, to his disciples and they haven't done it. And so I think this gives us a great picture in the next scene of a person who has engaged in the disciplines and a person who hasn't. Because we know that person who didn't there uh, was Peter uh, and his engagement with the guards. The enemies come up. The persecutors. The betrayer. And we get to see all those things in, in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus didn't just talk it. He walked it. And uh, we're going to get to see him. Bless his enemies. Love those who persecute him. And we're going to get to see the undisciplined person uh, fail to grasp that concept. And so, you know, Peter swings and cuts off the ear of the guard. And, you know, Peter could have either swung forward over the top or he could have um, swung sideways. Either way, uh, this, this guy just almost got his head cut off. <laughs> and I imagine the crowd just being like... And, and Peter, you know, just missed the point. Now the crowds are going to come at him. And, and Jesus' response, the exact opposite of Peter's, is meekness. It's humility. He says, um, he says, am I leading a rebellion? No. Um, 
I, I love that scene of all the miracles in the scriptures of walking on water and feeding 5,000. I think this one would have been incredible. Can you imagine Jesus picking up the ear and placing it? I, you know, talk about blessing your enemy. You know, saying this guy was coming to take him. And, and Peter's reaction is, Justice, vengeance! And, Pe- and Jesus' reaction, the discipline of life's reaction is, Blessing. Do what, you, do what you're supposed to do. Uh, it's God's will and way. I've been trained in that in my time. Um, you see, you see the contrast, and of course, in uh, in the crucifixion scene, I highlighted Jesus said, "Forgive them, for they know not what they are doing." Uh, that wasn't something that he just conjured up on the spot. He he had been preparing for that moment. Um, in the Matthew twenty six, Matthew chapter twenty six uh, version of this account, where Jesus asked the disciples to engage and uh, in the disciplines, and they fail to do it. When Jesus comes up to him, he says, um, he says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Um, and that kind of thought, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, has led me to my second observation. Uh, and number two, um, is I've been trying or uh, realizing the point of the discipline. What is what is the point of the discipline? And I feel like I've missed this for the majority of my Christian life. Uh, I've been realizing the point of the discipline, and, and I've wrote it on there in, in parentheses because it's too important. <coughs> but the discipline's purpose. Their purpose is to train you to submit to the Spirit, not to build up your flesh. So, so much of my understanding of the disciplines and my practice of them um, throughout my life as a young life leader has been using the disciplines to train myself, to, to exercise myself, to build myself up, but myself, my flesh. It has not been the act of submission to the Spirit. It's been building up my flesh. Um, uh, so how does this look? Um, you know, think of think of the way you pray. The prayer is a discipline. Um, my prayers so often were about how I can get God to accomplish what I want to see happen. Who do who do I want to see God working? Who do I want to God to see God change your life? Who do I want to see God bring to close? Um, my discipline of prayer was just all self-driven. It was all flesh-driven. What are my plans? What are my goals? What are my dreams? What do I want to see happen? Not submission. God, where are you working? How can I be a part of that? How can I plug in? Same thing with scripture memory. And you know, we are all good young life leaders. I'm sure most of us are memorizing scripture and trying. You know, I memorize scripture and I memorized the TMS like two or three times, um, which shows you how effectively I did it the first day of time. Um, but I memorized that. Just it was like I was like sticking uh, rocks into my sling or swords into my pockets, just so later when the the situation was, I could pull out. I got a scripture for that. You know, it wasn't about getting the scripture into my heart and letting it transform my life. It was about me mastering the scriptures and building up my flesh to be bulky and strong. Um, it was almost like a scripture snowball fight. Like, have you ever seen um, uh, like? Two Christians that really know the scriptures, like battle over a tough issue, like um, predestination or uh, you know security of salvation, and it's like this guy like got his scripture and he's like, and he's throwing his scripture, and then the other guy like I got some scripture, and he's throwing that back, and the other oh yeah well what about this? And you know, it's just back and forth. I got all this scripture and I built up the flesh and I'm right, 
And the whole point of the discipline was that I was right and I could prove you wrong. Just take that. That's not the point of scripture memory. Um, you know, like they always say at Grace, um, it's not about getting through the scripture, it's about letting the scripture get through to you. I think they say that at Grace. They say that somewhere. But it's not about getting through the scripture, it's letting the scripture get through to you. Um, Psalm 119 says, I've hidden his word in my heart. See, I, when I scripture memorize, I hid the word in my head. <laughs> you know, so it would be logical. <laughs> and I could fight. <laughs> but it says, uh, it says, hide the word in your heart. That's where, uh, that's the discipline of scripture memory and study. That's what's going to transform you. Um, again, uh, the point of the discipline is most evident in Jesus. Um, this idea of submitting to the spirit, not submitting to the flesh. Um, in the case of the temptation in the desert, the solitude and the fasting, uh, Luke 4, verse 1. Uh, let me get there. One another time. Uh, Luke 4, verse 1. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert. The Spirit was his guidance. That's who he was trusting. He didn't go into the desert because he wanted to become stronger. He didn't go in there because he wanted to be hungry for 40 days. The Spirit led him there. And Jesus submitted his will to the Spirit. Um, uh, 11, uh, 1, where it said he prayed in a certain place. The disciples come up and say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And in Luke 2, he says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And that's a typo. In Luke 2, it just says, thy kingdom come. Uh, but in the Matthew version, it says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You know, when, when asked about the discipline of prayer, Jesus says, this is how you pray. You you know, give God the praise, and then you submit your kingdom, your reign, to his. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Again, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he's praying uh, before his arrest, uh, and we already read that, but he prays, not my will, but yours be done. The purpose of the disciplines is to submit to his will. And is that, is that work? Is it going to take a lot of effort? Yes. Is that going to earn you? Is it, is it something that is meritorious? No. It's you taking the effort and submitting to what God is going to do, to His power, to His love. Um, this next scripture is the one that has kind of started me on this whole kind of exploration. Um, Galatians uh, chapter 5, uh, verse 16 through 18, and then verse 25. If you want to flip there, uh, it's on the sheet, I think. Um, we won't read the Romans one below it but the Romans one is basically the same thing except for the Romans Uh, in Romans you know Paul talks about the struggle between doing what you want to do what the flesh wants to do and what the law of the spirit of life wants to do and there's a conflict there Um, he's saying the same thing in essence uh, to the Galatians uh, in verse 16 uh, through 18 uh, it says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. The, the desires of the sinful nature, when we think about the Sermon on the Mount, are all those things that we naturally want to do. We want vengeance. We want justice. We want our plans. Um, we don't want to bless our enemies. We want to see justice served. Um, we don't want to go the second mile. We want to be paid what is due to us. Um, we don't want to turn the other cheek. Um, 
If you live by the Spirit, you will not gratify the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires, desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. And then in verse 25, and this is the whole point of the disciplines, I believe is this right here in verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That is what the purpose of the disciplines is to find where in places in my life that I'm submitting to my flesh. Okay? Now, this will, will remind me and teach me to submit to the Spirit. Um, that's the whole purpose of the disciplines. The disciplines are not meant to make us stronger or better people, but they're meant to train sinners saved by grace to deny themselves and trust God's Spirit. Um, this is the last point. We're running out of time. Number three, um, the, the other thing I've been thinking about is I've been considering the cost of non-discipleship. Considering the cost of non-discipleship. Considering the cost of non-discipleship. <laughs> If in essence, we've got two options as people who want to live the life spelled out in the Sermon on the Mount. We can either live the disciplined life, or we can live the non-disciplined life. Which is costlier? You know, Jesus in Luke 14 tells us that, you know, to count the cost, the cost of discipleship. He says, uh, his exact words were, any who do not give up everything cannot be my disciple. The cost of discipleship is high. It will cost you your time, it'll cost you some temporary pleasure, it'll cost you sleep, it'll cost you friends, it'll cost you family, it'll cost you a lot to be a disciple. But I think, as I read the scriptures, that a life of non-discipleship will cost even more. Because even though the cost is high for discipleship, Jesus begs everybody he encounters, pay the cost. Count the cost and pay it, it's worth it. I have come that you may have life and life abundantly. Says, this is worth it. The cost is high, but do it. Um, the passage that, that stick out to me is uh, Matthew 11, uh, 28-30, where he says, Come to me, all you who are weary uh, and burdened, for I will give you rest. Uh, it says, My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That's it. I butchered the paraphrase of it. Um, but uh, he says, come to me. And I think the reason he says in this case my yoke is easy and the burden is light and whereas in other passages he says the cost of being a disciple is so great is because when you come to him in this sense it's what the discipline it's submitting to his spirit. It's not you bearing the cost it's him carrying it for you. On the other hand if you follow up that, that passage we read in Galatians you see um, what the non-disciplined life looks like. It says the acts in verse 19 through 23. It says the acts of the sinful nature are obvious: sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. And look at some of these. These are the ones that I think really sting me: hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition. Do you find these at work in your life? Like where these are in your life, I would say we are not living by the Spirit. And we're lacking discipline. We're lacking the, the training to submit to the Spirit. Um, 
says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not um, inherit the kingdom. The cost of non-discipleship. The cost of discipleship is high, but the cost of non-discipleship is costly. What does the non-discipline life cost you? This is what it costs you. It costs you the yoke that is easy. It costs you the burden that is light. It costs you, uh, to, it causes you to live a life of hatred, discord, jealousy, unsatisfaction, disappointment. See, uh, right after that, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, the, the cost of the non-discipleship uh, of non-discipleship is greater. Um, I could share a quote, but I want to give a minute for this um, participation. Uh, look at those questions uh, on there. Uh, participation um, and application. Just take a second and kind of think through this. Um, uh, think in your past. What activities um, have I undertaken that have shown fruitful uh, in my own life? What disciplines have I engaged that I've seen transform my life? Uh, and you can feel free to share scriptures, uh, maybe a certain scripture without through your heart, but write those down and think about them. Think about why they helped to train you, why they helped to change you, why they uh, bore fruit. Um, and remember those and go back to them again and again. And then the, the second question in what area of my life am I not submitting to the Spirit? Maybe it's a struggle with lust. Maybe it's a struggle with worry. Maybe it's the need uh, for approval and praise from people to always be around. Maybe it's loneliness. Maybe it's just, you know, where are you struggling to submit to the Spirit, to trust His will and not your own? Um, and then try to think, which of those disciplines on that other sheet will remind me and train me to rely on the Spirit? Remember that we're saved by grace, so none of these disciplines are going to earn us righteousness. That's not what it's about. Righteousness has already been earned on the cross. Um, it's already been imputed to us uh, by our faith. Um, but what these disciplines will do is they will change your moment-by-moment life. They, can, they are a curriculum for Christ-likeness, is what one of my favorite authors said. Um, to train us to constantly be submitting our will to Christ. Uh, final thoughts. Um, Jesus modeled the disciplines. He's the exact representation of God. Uh, Hebrews 1 through. Um, the disciplines is not to build up the flesh, but puts it in with the spirit. The cost of discipleship is high, but non discipleship is costly. Um, I wanted to be able to share those things, to give each other some practical tips and, and hints. Uh, 